It all begins with belonging. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki. The fabulous Norma Tirado is back as our guest on Gut Plus Science today to share her message. We must lead with belonging first. And David Black is back as my co-host. David is the CEO of Even Health, and he has been partnering with me to highlight people-first leaders in healthcare and the great things they are doing to impact well-being. So this is one of our many episodes we're collaborating on. It's been fun, and we're in for a treat with Norma today. Let's get with David, and he'll introduce Norma. It's a rare treat to have a past guest back, and that's what we get to do on this episode today. So yay, a repeat guest means one thing. They were awesome before, and she's going to be awesome again. David, you want to introduce our guest? Sure thing, Nikki. Thanks so much. I am thrilled to introduce Dr. Norma Tirado. Norma is Vice President of Culture and Experience at Centura Health. Just Dr. Tirado has a range of experience previously supporting over 31,000 team members at Spectrum Health as the head of team member experience and talent development. She's also has many layers to her, was former board president of the Southwest Michigan Symphony Orchestra. And Norma, what I love most just about your background is what you state as your purpose in life, which is make workplaces more human-focused, inclusive, and resilient, and to help people find their gifts and share them with the world. So I'm just, I'm thrilled to be part of today's conversation as we think about trust, creating spaces for vulnerability as leaders and for those we serve. So Norma, thank you so much for making time today. Thank you. It's just great to be here. I'm excited to be back here with Nikki. It was fun the first time we did it. So I'm just looking forward to having a really great conversation today. Yay. We're so glad to have you. Norma, I'm going to kick things off. And I know a little bit, but I'd love for you to just maybe start by sharing more about a belief you have that we must lead with belonging if we're to build or to transform to a healthy workplace culture. So what do you mean by that? Well, David, I've been working on, on a model for a healthy culture. So let me first tell you what I believe a healthy culture sounds like. To me, a healthy culture is an inclusive, change-ready, and joyful culture where team members feel like they belong and they can deliver care and performance beyond expectations. They can thrive by bringing their genuine and best selves to work. And for us to be able to accomplish that, team members have to feel like they belong before they can believe in your culture and your mission and your values and before they can become their best selves. So I think that many organizations are under the misconception that you put a great vision out there and people are just going to buy in and just go with it. But that's, it's just not the right, my experience tells me that's not the right place to start. Yes, you introduce people to your mission, vision, and values. Yep. But first, they need to feel like they're accepted, that uh, they can be themselves, bring their whole hearts, their whole selves to work, and then they can engage and become their best versions of themselves and thrive in your culture. I love that. I love that. I mean, we think so much about high-performing teams and at the team level, 
that you have to have trust among that team as the foundation for folks to be able to build off of that. But at an organizational level, I love this concept of it. It's really belonging. So it's not just, do I trust you, but do I feel part of that organization in a deep and meaningful way? So Absolutely. And that trust goes both ways, right? I trust you and you trust me. And it's not a one-to-one relationship. It's a one-to-many. So belonging is I've not heard anyone really focus on on belonging as the the way that that we rally around creating that culture. Yeah, David, and we also often think about assimilating people into our culture rather than embracing people, bringing their individuality and their differences to work because that's what's going to I think increase creativity, innovation, etc. for the organization to deliver the best results. I love this way And you just shared something that I'm curious if you've already said the answer to this question that I want to ask. So what has to be at play to transform culture? Well, I think that David touched on that, and that is trust. Trust, 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 and more trust. And I think in addition to that, and this is probably part of trust, is transparency, right? I just finished reading a book by Stephen M. R. Covey, Trust and Inspire. Don't know if that's on your book list, but it, it should be. And I wholeheartedly believe in the concept that for leaders to unleash greatness in others, which is our responsibility as leaders, we have to move away from this command and control or enlightened command and control that we talk, that I think most organizations still operate in and move to a trust and inspire way of leading from management to leadership. We have to stop managing people. People have their own ways of doing things. They come to work with competencies that we just have to continue to develop. And we have to trust that they come to the organization to do their best work. And only until we decide to move in that direction, I think we're going to inspire people to really engage with the organization, with the mission, with the vision. We can help them develop their personal purpose and then connect that to the mission and vision of the organization. And that we basically, we have to trust them to do their work and do their best work. So I think that organizations think that they're moving in that direction. And a lot of organizations, if you see, they're hierarchical, right? So it is, I'm going to tell you what to do and you do it rather than here's what I need done, go figure out how to do it in the best way possible that you can. Yeah. Yeah. We think of nursing as a prominent area where we want our nurses at all levels, our nursing teams, our care teams to utilize critical thinking. And we preach critical thinking and we preach it as skills and we talk about it as curriculum gaps and residency programs of place to focus on it. But yet, What is critical thinking? It's recognizing that the work varies based on patient need, based on circumstances, based on care team structures. And so command and control is at conflict with that. And it's we've got this scar tissue of past organizational models that really pervades this and pervades that that ability there. Yeah. Yeah, nursing is a great example because most organizations now are talking about providing personalized, individualized care. Well, if that's the case, there are standards of doing work, but you have to adjust it mm-hmm. to be able to meet the need of that individual patient. And there's no patient that is 
100% like the patient beforehand. So that's a great example, David. I'd love to share something that just makes my skin crawl a little bit that you touched on is I just wish we could remove the word manager. I mean, unless you're like an artist and you have a manager that's helping to like edit your music and book you, like no one wants to work for a manager. People want to work for leaders. And so words are powerful. You were sharing that and I was like, oh, that hit a chord. That word, I just, it's so for all that are listening, just consider it, change the word for manager to leader. Norma, I would love for you to share a little bit about your insights. What have you learned so far around when you're transforming leaders and organizations, what's the path to gaining organizational wide buy-in? Well, I think we have to focus on the leaders first and foremost, right? First of all, I tell leaders that if they want to transform an organization, they have to start by transforming themselves. So really evaluating how you approach the people that you're privileged to lead, right? What have you done to get to know your team members better? Do you really, really understand what's important to them? Have you helped them develop their own personal purpose or mission statement? Have you taken a coaching approach rather than a management approach to engaging your team members? So when I am looking at transforming an organization, my first focus is leaders because people believe in what we say, but they watch to see what the leaders are doing. And if the leaders are not modeling those behaviors, if not in engaging in a way we say as an organization we want to engage in, any culture effort for an organization will fall flat, completely flat. So you have to start by ensuring that your leaders feel like they belong, they feel they have the autonomy to make decisions, and that they are understanding and they've been developed to become great coaches for the people that they're privileged to lead. Norma, I just came across a, a study that was out of uh, some South African researchers, a subjective well-being specialist. And we talk so much about the role of supportive managers, feeling supported. And it looks at three layers of that. So autonomy, competence, relatedness, as direct correlation to reducing staff intent to leave. And when you think of so much of our focus is how can we help people do their best work, feel that they're independent there. There's, it's an amazing study that talks through both the importance of what is that leader doing to feel that staff supported and then how that actually helps that staff member flourish. So this hits on so many themes that we know, we know makes sense. It's making the case for that. So how do you, you know, how do you actually get those folks at the decision-making level to buy into that? The science is catching up to what many have, have seen and experienced firsthand as they've become more experienced leaders. Yeah, you know, David, I most recently left Spectrum Health Organization, which is a, a wonderful organization. And I got a lot of notes from people as I was leaving. Not a single note said, thank you for implementing this policy and practice. Thanks for the people that reached out to me as I was leaving, talked to me about how I helped them grow and develop, how I challenged them, how I cared about them. Leaders need to truly care about their people. And that's what's going to help people thrive and flourish. They're going to be able to meet goals beyond what the organization expects from them because somebody believes in them. 
That is such a powerful example. So if you think, yeah, I was just reading a book the other day and there was a line in there that said something about, we probably heard this exercise, your eulogy. What do you want your eulogy to say? And are you living life as if it's what you want read? And so similar to like just your leadership experience and the way you want to touch lives. Are we checking boxes or are we really making meaningful impact? Like, are we the leader that people remember when later in life, someone wants some mentorship on tell me about a great leader? Like, and so I just, I love that you shared that. Like during your transition, it wasn't like great job on that program. I'm sure you did a great job in that program, but it was how you cared for people and related. That's awesome. Love it. Nikki, that's a really funny example because I was sharing with my husband some of the mail emails that I was getting and he's like, gee, it sounds like you're listening to what people would say at your funeral. Oh, wow. That, well, that ties in, but it's like legacy stuff, right? Significance. It's, that's really good. So Norma, we're talking about this. It all begins with belonging. And this is this model that you're so passionate about. I know David's going to dig into really these six keys here in a few minutes. Can you illustrate leading belonging well? I would say that we lead belonging with curiosity, humanity, and inspiration. I think that you have to be really, really interested in learning about the human beings we're privileged to lead, what's important to them, what drives them, who are they at home and at work, what are their passions, what moves them to action, what do they like to do for fun, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what makes them angry. We have to embrace all emotions at work. We've been too like emotions don't at work belongs, emotions belong at work. We can just hang them when we leave our homes and go into work. So, you know, who is important to them in their lives? We have to develop a culture that embraces personalization and moves away from one size fits all. That mentality, we have to embrace inclusion, value differences and reject assimilation. That's how we lead belonging, by really, really caring for the human beings that come to work every day. Love it. Can you lead us into sharing an example of how a leader champions belief? Well, I think you champion belief by helping connect the mission, vision, and values of the organization to each individual person, to what's important to them, to what they value, and to their job. And I think you have to create that trust and inspire culture to be able to lead belief and help people find their own personal purpose and help connect them to that purpose and help connect that personal purpose to the organizational mission, vision, and values. I can share with you an example. I was implementing, at the time that I was CIO of an organization, we were implementing the EPIC electronic medical record. And I really wanted to inspire this team, not just the bring in this project on time and on budget, which seems to be the way we measure success of IT projects. But I said, what would be something that would inspire people to really dig in in this implementation? And what we settled down on is rather than create that typical goal, we set a goal that nobody, after we were done implementing this, nobody would be hurt in our organization by this implementation, that instead we would use this to save people's lives by providing physicians with the information 
that they needed at the right time, at the right moment to make the right decisions for the patients. And we connected them to their own families. So we had people basically bring to work the pictures of the people that were important in their lives. And we created a wall and we basically said, we are making this project so our families and communities will have a safer environment to come into when they come into our hospital. And just making that connection from their own families walking into our hospital made that implementation one of the most successful EPIC implementations. In the state of Michigan, it was the first organization to reach what we call HIMSS Level 7, which is the the highest level of performance of an electronic medical record. And they did it in record time. And they did it because they connected that implementation to their families and their loved ones and their community. I love it. We talk so often about what's your why, but the conversation sometimes ends there. And as leaders, it's sort of, well, can you give me something specific that I could do? I just I think that nothing makes it more meaningful than having that personal connection for that. I am working with the chief well-being officer right now that's dealing with an EPIC implementation, and they're in the throes of it right now. So I will be connecting you and, and sharing that practice. That should be preached from a, a really high mountain. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Every time I've heard of an EPIC implementation, it's just all pain. Like there's the joy and the love and all of that. You don't, I just have not heard this. So this is just this way. I'm like, Norma, I think we need to launch you a podcast. That is awesome. Thank you for that example. So Norma, let's get tactical for a minute before I pass this over to David to dig in on many other things that we have to cover in this episode. What are your suggested steps to tactically move belonging forward? So I think let's start at a philosophical level. Start by embracing personalized, one size does not fit all strategy for your organization and your culture. So get to know team members at a personal level. Do little things like send a welcome letter to the entire family when a team member joins your organization. Imagine if your partner or spouse receives a welcome letter from the organization that your partner is going to join. That's really, I think, really special and something that we maybe don't think about. When somebody joins your organization, it's not just them. It's their spouses, their partners, their children, their dogs, everything around their life. So welcome the entire family to the organization. Maybe when people join, you can make sure that they have a friend at work. Connect them, have a buddy program or and, and at a higher level, a mentor program for people that are joining the organization. And if you haven't done it with team members that are starting, start by looking at your team and ask the question, do you have a friend at work? Would it be helpful to connect you with somebody with your interest? And this interest groups, employee resource groups that a lot of organizations have, those are great things, great tactical things to do to connect people that have the same interests. And it doesn't have to be around our typical the Black employees and the Asian employees, but people with different abilities, people that are interested in music and theater, people that are interested in rock climbing. So create those ways of people to connect at work. I think we need to really, really embrace teaching unconscious bias at work because we all have them. And to create an inclusive organization, 
people have to come to grips with what their unconscious biases are so that they can deal with those. And I think I would love, and, and this is something I'm going to try with my new employer, but I would love to provide a forum for team and individual storytelling and sharing, like internal podcasts potentially, or something like the Moth Radio Hour at work, where people come and they tell their, their personal stories so that other people can learn about them. We simply have to just get more human and more, more personal at work. And those are just some examples of tactics that we can use. Those are amazing, Norma. And I love the, just the quote you put out there, we need to get more human at work. I mean, it, we spend more time with our coworkers than with our families these days. And if family is defined as where you spend the most time, <laughs> there are folks that have deep, profound impact on, on the way you live your life. There's just so many opportunities to blend that. So I think about team members in that, that kind of family sense, and you talked about thriving, but I want to dig a little deeper on just the insights you have here. So how do you see us best leading team members to take a role in their part of thriving, whether that's individually or, or through, through one another? Yeah. You've probably heard this saying, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. As organizations, we can have all the resources available for our team members, but if they don't take their own responsibility, right, their own drive to do it, there's nothing you can do as an organization. So I think you have to inspire people to develop their own plans. And I would start them all by, by sitting down and saying, think about your, what's your own personal mission statement? At Centura, everybody kind of opens up their introduction with what's their own personal mission statement. And, and that helps connect you to what's important to that person. And when you're developing relationships, it's really good to know what's important to that person that you're trying to develop a relationship with. So I think that when it comes to developing growth plans, that should not be an exercise that the leader does for the individual. That should be an exercise the individual does and presents to the leader and says, can you help me accomplish this? This is where I want to go. What are the resources available to me inside and outside of the organization for me to accomplish it? And you give me the time, the opportunities, the challenges for me to get to this point. But I think that plan, that personal mission statement is very individual and should be developed by the people themselves, by the team members themselves. And then you just help them facilitate that, that growth. Yes. So where do you see an individual needing to focus? You've got come up with a mission statement. You've talked about six key needs, but I'm curious how that maps to this. I'd love for you to go through those. Through the six key needs for today's employees? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, so outside of development, when somebody joins an organization, there's kind of a unwritten contract, so to speak. There are things that people want to go work with somebody and call it a great place to work, right? And to me, that includes a flexible culture. And the definition of flexible work environment is no longer just working remotely, right? A lot of us are working remotely or some kind of hybrid way. But that means as an individual, I cannot just choose where I work, but how and when I work, right? I, it may be easier for me if the job allows it to work a few hours in the morning, 
pick up my kids at school, work a few hours in the evening. We can't be so structured that you got to be at the office at eight and be here till five and take your lunch hour at noon. There are places where you have to have some schedules, but even those can be flexible by offering not just eight hour shifts, but you may have four hour shifts so that you can fill different needs. And talent mobility, even within the organization. And that means that maybe I have a certain job, but maybe I am a great project manager. And that's not necessarily part of my work, but I love to do that. And I can say, hey, I'm a great talent uh, project manager. If there's a project out there that I can manage that can help me expand my skills and my visibility and what I love to do, can I do that as part of my work? So I think we need to just think about work differently. Two, I think people want genuine recognition. And I mean genuine. I don't mean, hey, you're doing a great job. I mean specific, genuine, wow, I was really impressed with that presentation that you did the other day. Hey, you asked a really great question at that meeting the other day. Hey, I love the fact that you were curious about blah, blah, blah. So really specific. And you want that genuine recognition not just come from your leader, but you want to be able to tee it up to higher levels of leadership. I mean, don't people would love to get a note from the... CEO sometime or the CFO if they're doing something around stewardship, the head of HR, right? So you tee it up, you manage up that recognition and make it again specific and genuine. You want recognition from peers, you want recognition from clients, patients, customers, right? So I think a part of that genuine recognition is really embracing using technology for recognition as well and social media and so, those social channels that some organizations keep resisting. I think meaningful connections at work would be the third thing that people want. I think a lot of times we try to kind of draw a hard line between work and personal life, but people, like you said, David, people spend a lot of time with each other at work. So you want to develop friendships at work and you want to find a way for people to develop those meaningful connections, maybe with people with some of their same interests, people that you like to golf with or go rock climbing or skiing. I think you need to fourth would be to provide growth and development opportunities for people, job rotations, challenging assignments, tuition reimbursement, training and conference opportunities for people to continue to grow and then give them the time to do it right? Sometimes it would be good to be able to set aside some specific time for people to do learning activities and be intentional about it. Yeah. And most healthcare organizations are large organizations. And so that reticence to develop meaningful connections with folks that you have to see every day because you need some separation at times, you have an ability as a large organization to connect people outside of their day-to-day work and role but still have that common culture and connection that's there. So that's an opportunity that a small business or small company can't invest as heavily on that a large health system really has as a unique differentiator. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. My fifth area is well-being. I think people are looking for employers that really care about them as people and that may provide them with opportunities to care about their physical, mental, financial, 
spiritual well-being. So not just that you're you're doing well at work, but again, that cares about the whole person's well-being. And then lastly to me is people are using a lot of technology outside of work. You have to make sure that your technology at work matches that same level of technology engagement and to facilitate work and facilitate connections as well. So those are my six. So rich and there's so much. I have two pages of notes right here that I'm going to have to talk to you about. How do we summarize the key takeaways? Because it's there's so much good here. Like I said, Norma, you need your own podcast. This has been so great. And David, I know you're going to lead us into the lightning round with Norma so we can get to know her. And I know you picked out some new fun questions. So we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message real fast. And we'll be right back with our lightning round to learn a little bit more about Norma Toronto. If you're leading with a people first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. All right, back on Gut Plus Science. David Black, you are my awesome co-host today and you are taking over the lightning round and you've got some new questions to throw out there. So let's learn about Norma. Thanks, Nikki. So Norma, we've covered a lot about team development, org structure and those pieces, but I want to dig into you uh, individually with this lightning round. So what's a favorite book or a recent book that you'd want to share? Well, let me tell you, my most favorite recent book to read, and I'm an avid reader, is a series of three children's books. And it's called, What Do You Do With an Idea? What Do You Do With a Problem? And What Do You Do With a Chance? And I think all adults should read that children's book. As a matter of fact, I bought the What Do You Do With an Idea for all my team members and and shared it with them and said, share it with your children, but share it with your other team members. Because I think as adults, sometimes we forget how to do that creatively and collaboratively. So I highly recommend that series of three books, children's books. Love it. So I want to think about a song. I love music. It seems like you do as well. So what's a song that lifts your spirits when life gets you down? Well, you know, it's a song that I actually have have as a ringtone on my phone. And it's called It's a Beautiful Day by India Ari. I absolutely love that song. And if I have to raise my spirits, I listen to the full song or I ask one of my children to call me and then I, I can listen it on my ringtone. But I also love, like when I'm grateful for people, I love sharing with them the song Kind and Generous by Natalie Merchant and just reminding them of the really important work that they do every day and how their kindness and generosity really, really makes a difference. So good. Great songs. What's something that you wish you had done earlier in life? Well, when I graduated from Marquette University, I went and I talked to an executive of a company I won't name, and it happened to be a man. And I wanted to go to a school to study international business because I was a foreign language major in undergrad. And he basically told me we wouldn't hire you because we don't let women travel to foreign countries. And I let that discourage me from going to get my international degree. And to this day, I regret it. I love where my career took me, 
But I always wonder, what if I would have not followed his advice? I would have studied my international business. and I would have traveled the world with companies carrying this message of humanity that I'm so excited about. Oh, well, I am honored that life's journey has taken you to, to us meet into this conversation. So thank you so much for, for persevering through what shouldn't have, have been an occurrence, but what you made, you made something positive out of it. So last question, Norma, how can listeners get in touch with you? I'll give you my personal email is ntirado, that's N-T-I-R-A-D-O-K at gmail.com. I really am interested to hear what listeners have to say about this belong, believe, become healthy culture model. So any ideas that people have about how to make people feel more like they belong in an organization or how do we make them believe in our missions or become the best selves that they can be, I would love to hear from your listeners about Such a great episode with Dr. Norma Tirado today. Really had a great time with she and David. Here's my truth you can act on from our conversation. Transformation starts with transforming yourself. In order to see significant impact, we must work from the inside out, developing ourselves and then focusing on developing those around us. And remember that the growth journey never stops. It's never like, oh, I've arrived, right? It's just, we have to work on ourselves before we're going to be ready to start pouring into other people but it's always a consistent development of that never stops. We're constantly pouring into that. Number two, always tie back to their personal purpose. Striving to build relationships and make leadership impact is very much rooted in making sure that each person you lead feels purpose in their roles and responsibilities, tying back to their personal purpose. Number three, make your leadership touch personal. Examples include sending gifts or thank yous to the employee's home for the family to experience, helping people build meaningful relationships and friendships through work, providing genuine recognition. And number four, help employees make friends at work. What kind of programs or offerings do you have in place to help your people build friendships? Think about employee resource groups for shared interests or hobbies, offering fun topics to help people get to know each other and build relationships. So much good. And it was hard to pare down all the truth you can act on today. Thank you again, Norma and David for an excellent episode. We'll see you guys next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.